Welcome to Changemaker Rehab. Changing the world is exhilarating and overwhelming. Join me, Heather McDougall, as I host bold leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and changemakers on the front lines of the world's most pressing challenges. Discover what it means to be empowered by your mission rather than consumed by the magnitude of the problem you're trying to solve. Together, step-by-step, we stand on the legacy of others and create the world we dream about. Hello, Changemaker Rehab World. Uh, it's so good to be here today. I'm Heather McDougall, the host of this podcast and conversation. I'm so thrilled. Today, we have Joanna Waterfall, and she, I mean, we'll just learn all about her, but I met her through her awesome work and through Yellow, Yellow Co., right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm always like, there's that, and there's the I conference. Know. Everyone gets and- confused. <laughs> <laughs> we need to work on it branding-wise, messaging-wise. It's a it's a thing. <laughs> it's I mean, we all know though that we, there's this amazing community. You do so many cool things. Welcome to Changemaker Rehab. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. So the kind of out the gate, big question I always love to ask first is what is your mission or what kind of vision of the world do you see that your work is helping to create? Yeah, great question. I also love your, your tonality and introducing is hello, welcome. Like you're so sing, singful. That's not a word, but I just made it singful in your intro. I love it. Yellow Co. uh, We exist to, I think really at the core of what we're doing is to change the way that women are coming together and connecting with themselves, their work and each other. We really believe that women are the future, that community is the future, and that we can create a space to really change the way that we have been taught that to do work and to relate to one another as women and what we're capable of and what the boundaries are. And um, we really just want to change all of that and believe that we can do it better together. So we provide support, accountability, and community to women who are creating meaningful work. And we define meaningful work, not as a career, but in how you find and create meaning in the world. Um, And really believe that when a woman can step into the fullness holistically of who she truly is authentically at her core that the world changes for good. So that's what we're all about. And I mean, seriously, Joanna, I've been to two conferences now and a part of the community, but really everything you're saying, I've always felt to the core and everything that you've built and created. There's so much intention behind that and has been part, it's been in part important, even personally for me on this journey of realizing, like you're saying, especially in our culture, we've grown up being competitive with other women and in such narrow focuses too, right? Like, what do we look like? And Mm -hmm. do we get a man? And these like, (laughs) obviously very evolving cultural concepts. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you've been really, really intentional about that. And I'm curious, where have you drawn inspiration to kind of build the culture of the yellow community? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's changed over the years. Our very first conference was in 2014, which feels like a million years ago with, I mean, everything, especially, I mean, right now it's like, 
2019 feels like a million years ago because (laughs) of everything we've gone through and experienced in the last, you know, two and a half years here. I think originally it started as a desire. It, It really emerged out of a desire that I had to connect with women who were creating meaningful work. Like I was a graphic designer. I was running my own graphic design business and found my place myself in a place where I was lonely. I was going from project to project doing like design for real estate agents and these like things that I didn't really have any emotional tie to. And I wouldn't probably have expressed it this way then. But now looking back, I can say that there was a part of me, multiple parts of me that didn't have space to express themselves through the work that I was doing. So I had this heart for social good and to make an impact with the work that I was doing. And then I also had this entrepreneurial spirit about me. I wanted to grow my business. And then I also had this creative side of me that was, you know, really artful. And I was a fine arts major in college. And that expression of myself was really important to me. And so I would go to graphic design events, community, try to get involved in these, you know, conferences and communities. And they all felt very technical, very male centric at the time. I know that design space has changed, but at the time it it was majority of men. And, and then I would go to these women in business events and they all, all felt very corporate-y. And like, I felt like this creative side of me that was like an artist was like these, I don't, I feel like there's a part of me that can't express itself here. And so I really wanted to create a space that I craved myself. I wanted to create a space where kind of these, these different parts of me could have space to be free. So this entrepreneurial spirit that I had, this creative artistic side of me and this social good desire that I had, I wanted to merge those things together. And I, through kind of playing with this idea, I found that there were women in the space like you who are running these amazing social enterprises. And I thought, oh man, how cool is it that they're going to work every day and knowing they're making an impact because their business is designed around that. And it opened up my eyes. I, when the first conference was happening, I remember I was on a speaker on a call with the speaker. And I literally was like trying to describe what a social enterprise was. And she was like, social enterprise. I was like, there's a word for it. Okay, there you go. And I just, (laughs) I was so new to it all. I didn't know anything. And I mean, I'm still learning even, but um, that's really where it originated from was I wanted to have a space where I could feel like I could learn about how to express these parts of myself. And so I really just wanted to sit in the audience and hear from these kinds of women and why they do what they do and how they got there. Cause it was really what I wanted for myself. Yeah. I think it's morphed and changed since then, but that's, that's where it originated from. And I mean, like I said, it, it's, it's so easy to feel that honesty and like authenticity in being there. I remember the first conference I went to, I can't remember what year it was now. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Some I feel teens, like it was 20 like 2017 yes. or maybe 2016. Yeah. There were a couple in a row there. And I just remember being kind of nervous, you know, it's like, all these, okay, I'm going with a bunch of women and they're doing all these cool things and blah, 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 like, okay, okay. But immediately stepping in, it's like all that just kind of washes away. And I think it's so cool when we start with an intention of like, 
your intention of full expression, where we can go, where you can show up as your whole self, it naturally creates that for others. You know, a lot of founders of of any any organization, company, but when I talk with founders, one of the things, especially early, early stage founders, one of the things they uh, have in common, and it was this way for me too, is when you're getting started, it's like the magnitude of what we're trying to do feels overwhelming. Do you remember what that was like for you? And how did you navigate finding kind of what your first step, but kind of first goal, that first project was going to be when there's so many ways to approach solving the problem that we see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got this spark of inspiration in the shower one day. Like I still remember it. And it was like, start a conference. So I think that felt very like otherworldly. And I don't know how any of that works, but I do feel like we co-create with like something Mm -hmm. bigger than ourselves. And so conference was kind of like given to me. (laughs) I I can't really explain it any other way, except for like, it was offered to me. And so I kind of took that and then I said, okay, this is something that I really want to do. Cause you know, I'm sure you are the same. We have like a million ideas all the time and it's like, <laughs> exactly. which ones do you execute on? Which ones not do you not? And, but I really felt like this one, I felt it like in my bones, like, no, don't let this one go to the side. I like, you really need to do this thing. So it was really perfect timing because I remember it was Christmas time. And I remember that cause I was in the shower getting ready to go to an ugly Christmas sweater party. <laughs> Remember when those were a thing? We all loved yeah. ugly Christmas sweaters. <laughs> I think we still do, but they had a moment. So it was this time where I was really like, okay, what's the next year going to look like? What am I going to be? What goals am I going to set? What's going to be my word for the year? You know, my resolution or what, what goals am I going to set out to to do. And so this was really like, I was like, okay, this next year, this is what I'm going to pour into. And so the steps that I took was I emailed this man who ran this graphic design conference that I had been going to, uh, for a few years. It was really one of the only conferences I had like regularly attended. And so I got to know him a little bit and I was like, Hey, I have an idea for a conference. And I just kind of word vomited all over the email. I should look that email up today because I think it'd be really funny to see what I originally said it was going to be. And I remember he he came back to me and I, I essentially asked him for help. I was like, can you talk to me? Like, how do you do a conference? I'd never, you know, I was a graphic designer, artist. I'd never done an event in my life. And mm-hmm. He was like, okay, first thing you need to do is create a mission statement. I feel like looking back, he was like, you need to hone this in. There's a lot of, lot of energy coming out. Like, can you simplify what you want to do? Cause there's a lot. Um, so he's like, start with a mission statement, start with your, why, why are you doing this? Like get really clear about that. And then let's hop on the phone and let's talk. And I think we hopped on the phone like the next day and he was so instrumental and helpful for me to just think about the things that I, I just didn't know what I didn't know. He was like, all right, you need a budget and you need a budget. Oh, I didn't think about AV. I didn't think about transitions or what music should play when a speaker comes on the stage and leaves the stage. I didn't think about, you know, a microphone for questions and how that needs to be separate from the speaker. All just these little details that I never would have known. He was able to kind of go through those and help me just create a list of like, 
here's what you need to think about. And I remember writing it down. I still do this. I have like these, this big notebook that I just write everything down on because it helps me. We're so in our screens and just physically writing helps me. Mm -hmm. And I remember I just had my notebook and I had this long list that probably took up two or three pages in my notebook. And it was just, I was like, all right, I'm going to just go down this list because this feels really big and overwhelming. And anytime I started thinking about people coming, I freaked out and I didn't want to do it because it was just felt so scary. So I had to tell myself, just focus on your list. Just cross those things off your list and the big picture will complete itself. That's not your job to do the big picture. Your job is just to email that person you want to speak. Your job is just to get a quote from that place you want to have dinner at. Like that's what I had to focus on, especially that first year because it felt so big and intimidating. You know, hearing you describe this, I mean, there's a few things that are coming for me, but one of them is what has been maybe, I don't know if I want to call it trendy or I'm not sure to talk about, but the masculine and feminine kinds of energy of getting things done, of creating change of impact, whatever it is. And there's so many ways to describe it. And if you know anyone listening, if those are kind of foreign concepts, right, it doesn't necessarily mean man versus woman. It's just this sort of like creative energy versus uh, what shall we call it? Like action, structural mm-hmm. energy. And we all, every person has both and everything needs all of it to get done. And I think even in my life, there has been a time where, I mean, I was raised, I think a lot of us are raised so much in this doing, we have to do all the stuff. And then I took a heavy swing into the, oh, I need to be in more of this who am I? What's my passion? Like what, how does God spirit universe communicate with me? And what I'm hearing through you is such an awesome reminder of you had the vision, right? You had the, that creative energy was in you and you trusted it. And then you went into, okay, I really need to get the structural logistical components done because without that, without a structure, there's nothing for the vision to live on. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to kind of call that out because I think I see that as well, whether we call it masculine, feminine, or whatever it is, a lot of times we as creators and founders can get stuck in the vision space of it. And so much is learned, not only do we have to do the actions to create the vision, but so much of the reality of the vision gets shaped by each of the steps because we can't possibly predict like you said you don't know what you don't know until you get into it are there any moments for you along i mean any of these conferences that you've built and i we'll get into some of the other work you do too but through that that were really pivotal and like kind of key learning moments where your vision kind of did shift do you have any of those moments Well, the first one that kind of comes to my mind is what COVID brought because Mm. we literally had a conference and we were doing uh, in 2019, we had just expanded to New York and we were doing a New York conference and an LA conference in 2020. We were booked to do both of those as well. Obviously we couldn't do those COVID pandemic, no gathering in person. So I had to lay off my team. I mean, we were a small team, Mm -hmm. but there were, uh, four of us and I had to lay off my team and just kind of figure out, okay, What does this look like now that we can't gather in person? It started with just 
canceling one conference that was coming up in June and thinking, oh, we'll be back in person by August, which was our mm-hmm. LA one. And then slowly realizing, oh, I think that this is not, because what we were kind of doing is we were watching the bigger guys. We were watching like South by Southwest. What are they doing? You know, we were watching these bigger conferences all of a sudden say, we're not meeting this year. And then that was kind of when it sunk in, like, oh, we're not going to be able to do this. So that was obviously really hard. And mm stressful and I like having hard conversations that I just did not want to have. Obviously everyone was so kind and understanding, but it was just really difficult. And so I kind of had to go back to square one and say, where am I focusing on here? Like, what do I, what do I do for this community that has been built who we're all kind of floundering myself included? How do we provide support for them as they're navigating their small businesses, as they're navigating working from home and they never have before, as they're navigating not seeing their people and being isolated. How do we do that? And so that was really a time where um, I kind of had to go back to like, okay, what's the core of why this started? It was to bring people together um, because I felt lonely, right? I felt like Mm -hmm. I needed other people who who thought in a similar way, had a similar desire to see the world impacted in a similar way. And um, so we really leaned into our membership platform that had prior to COVID been kind of a place where people could connect, but the conference was always our main thing. Like the conferences and in-person gatherings were always the place where we spent a lot, most of our time and resources. So to lean in, we started doing these Tuesday conversations we called coffee and conversations every Tuesday at 11 Pacific, where it was like, let's just come together and talk about what we're experiencing right now, because we didn't have space to like talk to other people who were in a similar spot. And then, you know, we had all this um, political stuff that was coming up. And then we had this um, racial unrest and we had the murder Mm -hmm. of George Floyd, all of these things that kind of were just all coming at us in our face. And we're all of a sudden, unlearning all of these things. And I say we, as speaking for my experience as a white cisgendered person who identifies as a woman, now I'm Mm -hmm. realizing, oh my gosh, all of this way I've been living in the world, I'm seeing in a new light. And it was just so much, right? Like it was Mm -hmm. so much and all at once. So that was really a time where it was like, all right, well, how are we going to do this? How am I going to go back to the why and realize the how is going to change. The how has to change because we can't gather in person, but the why is going to stay the same. The why is always going to be there. And I think that has carried me. And now as I've been building the team back up, going back to that why, that mission and that vision will always be the foundation, even though the how will change. Um, And that's for me in my life as well, just separate from yellow co and separate from the business side of things like my why will most likely stay the chain stay the same i might kind of morph it and shift it or see new dimensions of it or be or new parts of it will unlock but like the core of it will be there and my how will change so like right now in this season it's I'm doing it through this business and in my family, but you know, in 10 years, who knows how I'll be living out that, that why and that mission that I have. So, um, 
Yeah, that kind of that. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> I mean, it was yes, and it was so just so beautiful. I I wrote that down. That our why stays, but the how changes. And I really love how you put that. My own life. I mean, I've experienced it. I'm sure so many of us who are here and listening have in our own ways. And I know for me, it's like with Bogo Brush, right? Earlier this year, my brother and I exited and we sold the brand and it was a good time and a really hard time because it's exactly this, like, in some ways, I didn't realize how much my identity had attached to this brand Mm -hmm. and that this brand was going to carry out not all of my why, but, you know, I'd attached a lot of story of what was going to happen and transpire through this brand. And as life was unfolding, it was clear that it was time for someone else to take that brand. And so there was a lot of, of letting go and a lot of grief. And there probably always is in in transitional times of life. And I mean, I'm celebrating, I'm so happy the brand gets to live on, but this piece of the why stays. And that was for me too, of, all right, tapping into, again, remembering who I am, remembering why I am, Mm. and that there are a lot of hows that that build on that. And I think getting too attached to the hows leads us in leads us to having blinders on because the next thing comes and we now we're so lucky like the yellow community and all of us because you were able to see your why and now yellow has evolved to support us in this next phase of Mm -hmm. life of Mm -hmm. evolution I a question I wanted to ask you and you you mentioned it when kind of referencing our growing evolution as a culture and and recognizing the you know non-binary way of of gender and how have you and your company and your team navigated that being of course like a women focused organization this is i feel like we're like in the middle of this right now mm-hmm. So it's a great question. I think that it's been, it's been interesting to really navigate like, who is this for and how do we be really clear about that? And truth be told, like, we're really in the middle of this. Like, how do we change language on our website to not just talk about women, but also invite non binary leaders and making sure that trans women know that they are women and they are included in this space as well. And yet also acknowledging the experience that those who are born with uh, or, or, or do identify as women and have also experienced this this certain way of existing in the world and then also navigating, I guess, I guess without getting too in the weeds of it, it's navigating all of these different experiences, all of the diversity of experience, whether it's, you know, gender identity, sexuality, ethnicity, you know, how we present, how we show up in the world is so big. And so how do we kind of navigate all of those all of that diversity of experience and be able to create a place of belonging when my experience is so limited. I just got a tattoo this past week that is a small little circle on my arm. And 
a big part of the reason why I wanted to get this was it this the circle has so much meaning but something to me that was important to remind me of is that my reality that I see is only like this small like this is like mm-hmm. a little people that I'm looking out at and this is my experience and it's so small and there are so many different realities and different experiences that people have and so I think a big one has been just getting like building friendships and uplifting voices of those who have different experiences than me and hearing them. And I think it's more than just how do you, you know, create a diverse, uh, like speaker lineup. It's how are we building a leadership team that is actually making decisions like from different, from the lens and perspective of, uh, from a diverse perspective, again, whether that is ethnicity or sexuality or gender identity, as I'm really in the middle right now of building this team back up, I'm thinking about that so much. How are we, how, how do I not just build a leadership team that is only coming from one experience? Because that's going to trickle down into everything. Even if we're like, okay, we have a diverse speaker lineup. That's still a decision that's coming from a certain, almost like perfectionistic white experience of like, just trying to do the right thing or trying to look good, trying to make sure that you're appearing to be, you know, inclusive. And so that's something that I'm constantly trying to navigate in myself is like, where am I appearing or where am I just striving for to look a certain way? And how, where am I actually like doing the work that like people won't see, you know, or, or that like, where are the decisions being made? Who are the decisions being made by? And yeah, I definitely, we're like right in the middle of it. And I don't think there's ever like a, oh, you've got it now. I think it'll constantly be a a learning experience, but it's a question that I think we all have to ask is like, how are we creating diverse leadership teams? Because I mean, did you see this uh, trademark Juneteenth or something? Like, ah, yeah. And they were using it. They like made Juneteenth ice cream flavor and they were like totally ugh, just doing Yeah, it. You just know that that leadership team is all made of <sighs> white men. Like, even though they were trying, like, you know, that that's just such a perfect example of like, we're trying to look like we are inclusive. And then everybody sees right through it. And you're like, a bunch of white dudes trademark Juneteenth and wow, how awful is this? Because you really have no idea what you've just done, or maybe they do have an idea of what they just done and they don't care. I don't know. Um, Yeah. Well, it's that like, who, who are they as leaders or like you're saying, who are you as a leader? And is it uh, just obviously trademarking Juneteenth is a complete, whether it's intentional or unintentional misunderstanding of actually what it is. And it's, it is that how do we surround ourselves with humans that can help us grow in our understanding of these things? And yeah, it's like, I talk with so many folks about, you know, sustainability and climate change and what are the ways we do. And I see, I mean, everything's interconnected, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, there is no 
there's no like perfect end point. I mean, I think we can imagine it, but there's always, there's always conflict. There's always dissonance. And our job, I think the evolutionary track of humans is, is how do we create less dissonance between Mm -hmm. each other and, and, um, by yeah, learning and expanding and, and that, doesn't mean we're all going to have the same exact communities we go to, but how do we create community that is open and will desiring expansion? And Mm -hmm. I think as you were talking, it's like even what made the very first few yellow conferences so welcoming, inviting is because you were creating what you desired. And now as we all keep growing, it's like, you're not just, yeah, doing something for tokenism you are really embodying and learning and growing and, and you're in it. And I certainly don't have an answer either. And I'm in it too. And in my, my work and things, I just think it's got to be very unique experience. So I know it's a big question. Yeah. And I going there. I know. Yeah. I think it's, I, one thing that I have learned is that it's a real capitalistic supremacy culture thing to want to get it right all the time. Mm -hmm. And that, is that's just not humanity that's and i think as we unlearn and as we dismantle like supremacy culture within ourselves which impacts all of us not just white folks this is like the water that we're swimming in i think that we have to know that like we're not going to get it right and it's going to be messy and we're going to like say the wrong thing and we're going to say the right thing we're, we're and then it's going to come from a bad intention like it's just messier than we've been taught to think is okay like we've been taught like this much amount of messy is okay but this much no that's chaos but that's just such a supremacy culture thing that wants to strip us of our humanity in so many different ways. And so I think embracing the messiness and that, you know, like it's not going to be right probably ever. What is right even mean, Mm -hmm. you know? And and that's the thing too. It's that I've discovered in building relationships with people with different experiences from me. They're not a monolith. Like people have different opinions on how all this stuff should go. Like Mm -hmm. just because someone is, uh, you know, of black descent, they, it doesn't mean that they think the same thing as someone else who is like, they're human, we're, they're humans, and we're all humans. And, um, you know, same goes for the trans community, one person who might think that this is the way that they want to be, you know, described and thought of and, and another person who is also trans has a total has a different way of thinking it. So there's not a right way. And we have to, I think part of our yeah, unlearning and deconstructing this capitalism curse is like letting go of that. Like just let go of perfect doesn't exist. It's not a thing. Yeah. There's no such thing. And, and it's like, yes. And it goes back to even like the goal, maybe not the goal, but part of you creating yellow co is like, how are we even breaking these narratives of good girls you know, and yeah. we have to like, we have to be right. And we have to follow these certain ways of doing things and we can't create waves. And, and it goes beyond just being a woman or man. Like it, you know, look, 
of course, <laughs> it's broader than than any like specific category. But overall, that has been um, a trait that has been has been taught. So and this is why yeah. I mean, the word right is intersectionality, that mm-hmm. everything is so, so inter interwoven. Um, I we could go on and on about that, which I am like fascinated by. And also, I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about um, the process is the point, which in some ways is really what we're sort of <laughs> talking about, right? So I mean, talk to me a little bit about what the process is the point is in your world right now. Yeah. Well, that's a saying that I've started to say repeatedly that I feel like I am getting annoying to people who are (laughs) hearing me talk, but it's exactly what we were just talking about. Like I, speaking from my experience, I have always had this like subconscious idea that once I hit a certain point, I will have arrived and success will be there for me. And I'll suddenly have this like fulfillment of whatever, something like, Mm -hmm. oh, something will change in me. And all of a sudden I'll like be fulfilled and have respect and have, you know, notoriety, whatever. And I think that's because again, the supremacy supremacy culture glorifies the individual and glorifies the one. And that's, we tell the stories of the one person. We like look at the, the founders of these companies when they have so many people who are making this thing a reality, but like they get the credit and it's, it's the individualistic culture that we live in. And so I've been really trying to unlearn this. And a mantra that I say to myself is the process is the point that there's no arrival, like that doesn't exist. And it, that doesn't mean that we don't set goals that we we don't work towards something, right? It's healthy for us to have something that we're working towards, but where are we placing our focus? Is it just when we get to this thing or can we see the gold and the beauty and the magic that lies in the lessons that we learn along the way of getting to this place of working towards this goal? And if this goal doesn't come about, if it fails or it falls and, you know, or it doesn't come to fruition in the way that we had originally intended it to, when we set out to do it, we still experience that gratitude because we were in the process of it, that we saw the beauty in the process. Like, you know how it is like building a business Mm -hmm. is really hard and it like reveals so much about yourself. I think if we could change our mindset to be focusing on just like, oh, once we hit, you know, the six figure mark, once we hit the four figure mark, like once we get this investor on board or whatever, like, and I didn't mean four figure, I meant, um, seven figure, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) You get what I'm saying. Like once we hit these marks, um, do we, uh, there, there's just no arrival. Like, can we set out to do something, even if we know it's going to fail? Like we've asked, we've been asked this question before, what would you do if you knew you could never fail? And I think that question just prolongs our perfectionistic supremacy, like culture Mm. ideals that failure is the worst thing that could happen to us. Like we should be asking ourselves, what would we do if we knew we were going to fail and we would still do it anyway, because the process of working towards that thing is worth it. So how do we like move from this linear mindset, this linear framework and move more towards a like circular expansive view? How do we 
focus on expanding ourselves instead of like working up like this Mm -hmm. path. Cause I, I just don't like the linear, like, Oh, I'm up here. You're down here. I think that brings up a lot of toxic stuff. Like sure. Some of us might have, you know, expanded in different ways than others. And it, again, it's not to say we don't work towards things, but can we, can we sit in the present and sit in the process of it and find fulfillment and meaning and purpose in the process versus only finding meaning and fulfillment in the, in the final destination of the thing, which doesn't, mm-hmm. isn't even real. So that's yeah. what that, that means to me. I, I mean, I'm so cool. And that, what you're describing, you know, it's like, can we be in the present? And, and I, I can visualize, you know, of course, cause we see each other. <laughs> so all listeners, you can't see us, but you know, Joanna's like with her arms, right. Creating a space, like a circular, almost even like an orb. And I think that the present moment also is, I talk about this in my keynotes about burnout is that like the present moment is, is the only place that even like the inspiration for what the next step is can find us because when we're constantly living, yeah, place goals, we have, yes, absolutely. And then we get present and say, all right, what's that one next step? Yeah. It's like you had the inspiration in your shower for what the, what the goal was going to be. And then you had the inspiration to email that guy. And then you had the inspiration to like follow through without Mm -hmm. being present. You're always just going to be in the future. You're never Mm going to be somewhere. And I think what I hear you saying is let's expand that present moment, even to understand that that's the present is the process. Mm -hmm. And and when we can be present and discovering who we really are, what lights our souls on fire in this moment. I mean, that my personal belief is like, that's when we're the best for the world. That's when our missions and like the evolution of humanity Mm-hmm. gets to thrive. I think it's one of the cool parts about being alive right now. I feel like mm-hmm. this is the thing that we're all expanding into and through, should we so choose it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true. Yeah. I mean, like so much really good, good stuff. We're like rounding on, on time here. I, is there anything else that you like, is there anything coming up in your world or the yellow world that you really want folks to know about or any just sort of final thoughts that you feel like are kind of coming up for you? I guess one just thing that I'll say is that I feel like this is just an ongoing conversation and I'm just grateful to have this Mm -hmm. conversation with you here today. So thank you for having me. And yeah, if anyone wants, is interested in what we're doing and um, has an entrepreneurial, we say entrepreneurial minded, meaning that not everyone within our community is running their own business, but they really have a sense of wanting to connect on a deeper level with themselves and expand that into the world and and expand that through the work that you do, whether that, um, you know, in your, in a place where you're getting a paycheck or not that, yeah, we have um, something called guidance groups that are really where the depth of our 
community lies in relationship. They're peer-to-peer mentoring groups where women come together in groups of four to six and talk about the challenges that they're facing and and get curious about one another and um, celebrate together and really just be on the journey together. Um, so we open up enrollment for those groups uh, four times a year. Um, and our next enrollment opens up September 1st. So I don't know when people will be listening to this, but we open it up at the month prior to the beginning of the next quarter. That's confusing. Okay, yeah. But just head to our website and you'll see the next <laughs> one opening up. Um, so that, and then we have an ongoing membership platform where we connect with our community and then we will be having our very first post-COVID in-person conference happening at the end of 2023. So depending on when you're listening to this, head to our website, um, yellowco.co and we'll have all the info there for that as well. It's so awesome. I'm so happy that we're connecting here. And even as you're mentioning the conferences, you know, I, another thing I've been so amazed is you've really gotten some incredible speakers and I, this is like a little bonus question, but I think when you set, when we all, anyone listeners, when we set and have these visions that seem big, you know, it's like you've had big names on your stage. Uh, maybe a final little bit of advice. What do you do to make that ask? How do you tell yourself that you are, I don't know, worthy of asking? What do you, how did you get yourself in that place? Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle of that right now. I'm trying really hard to get this person who's like a dream speaker. And I'm like, I think it's just because I believe in it myself. I'm like, you would be so good on the stage. Like, mm-hmm. I know everyone would love you. I'm I'm obsessed with you. And I think that that's what I always try to come back to is who am I genuinely excited about? And that comes out in the pitch. Like, if I'm like, oh, this person's cool, but like, they really are just they'd sell some tickets because they have like a big following or whatever. And so that's also going to come out. But if I'm like, no, you are amazing (laughs) and you need to be on this stage. Like that helps my confidence because I'm just like, I believe in it so much that I'm like, well, if you don't believe in it, that sucks. But like, I, even if you say no to me, I still think that you would have been great on this stage and I'm going to try again next year because I still (laughs) believe it. So I think it's just that genuine connecting with the authentic excitement that you have and noticing that like when you do get excited or when you feel like your heart leap at something, like pay attention to that because that's going to come out in your work and how you're communicating about these things. And, and then also paying attention to the times when you're like, just kind of slugging along and feeling like maybe you're just doing this because of an external perception or an external, uh, like what's the word my brain is going, but an external like thing that you're trying to please. Yeah. When all words fail, just use thing and it'll work. Thing. That's, you know, we <laughs> all get it. external, yeah, pressures and stories yeah, and expectations. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Thank you for entertaining that last <laughs> final question. I think to pull it all together, it really is. I mean, it's getting present in your process and letting your genius, whatever that is, like your spark come out. And I think also... I've found that community and groups and conversations can be such a powerful place to help me and to help us find that little bit of something that maybe we're, we're underestimating in ourselves or Mm -hmm. that little bit of encouragement or, or help. So I think even the groups that you were just describing, Joanna, 
for everybody listening, you know, like do it. It's totally worth having community and people around you. Uh, we can't, we can't do it by ourselves. So yeah, follow, follow yellow co. I mean, on Instagram, they're at yellow co we'll put more contact info uh, for everything in the description of the episode. But uh, for today, thank you so, so much, Joanna. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking with you. It's an honor to be here. So thank you.